And everybody said amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You can be seated this morning. Uh, do we have the baptismal services? Are they here? Yeah, I couldn't. Well, I can't see too far anyway, so. I can just see far enough to get to here, and that's all I need to see from here to here. Amen. Thank you for coming this morning. May God bless you and keep you well thus far. Amen. I'm just praying that uh, for a supernatural miracle that I can just walk right through the fiery furnace and not a flame will touch my body in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, there's got to be somebody that don't catch this thing. There's got to be somebody immune, so it might as well be me. Amen. So we have a water baptismal service. We won't keep you long this morning. We've got two young people being baptized after service, and we have to leave immediately. We, my, they put my mother on hospice, so they don't give her too much time left. And we have an appointment at 6 o'clock that we can go in and see her for about 20 minutes. And then in the morning, we'll see her for about another 20 minutes, and then I guess we'll have to wait. So... She had a long life. She said she won't live, uh, she won't die until she's 100. And that's December the what? 14th. So she's got to, she'll stretch it out. <laughs> I mean, she's she going to be 100. I mean, she just bound and determined to make it to 100. And, uh, but she said she'd pass on her birthday, and we'll see uh, how that takes place. But she's had a long life. Some of it was hard. Some of it was good. And she's had a long history, as far as I've known, uh, she served the Lord in her measure, mostly in Pentecostal ranks, one United Pentecostal. And uh, she was in Brother Branham's services. She's seen the prophet. So she's come down through the revival all the way down to now where the America is totally rejecting God, period. Amen. But it has to come that way for you and I to reach the pinnacle, the greatest point in the Bible, the greatest move of God is yet set right before us. When America rejects God, which they have, judgments in the land, and it will continue to get worse. It's not going to get any better. All this suppression and all this liberty taken from you and all this rioting, what more, will sweep across the country slowly, slowly. And you can see that spirit in motion now that basically you submit or they will destroy you. It is controlled primarily by the homosexuals, basically foreigners, anti-God and anti-Christian. But we see it moving into work and the people voted it in. Brother Bram said America wouldn't, uh, God wouldn't destroy America, that the American people would destroy themselves. And so we are on the pace to do that. We're looking at basically the ending up of the Gentile dispensation, which we know there's three and a half years left to Israel. And here we want to understand, according to the Bible, I hadn't taught on it for quite some time, because people misunderstand the adoption and the placings of the sons of God or the manifestation of the sons of God, which is the expression of the product, that the adoption of the sons of God and the third pull to Brother Branham was the same thing. Now, the adoption and placing of sons only comes by placing the body of Christ. There is a corporate teaching to the adoption of the body of Christ. 
placing the body into the authority. And that will not take place until the last member is baptized into the body of Christ by the new birth. Amen. So when that last one comes in, it's over. And then basically how much time he gives that person to be child trained, we do not know. But shortly after that will come what we call the placing of sons where the body of Christ will exercise their authority even as Jesus exercised his authority as a, the Son of God. So the manifestation of these sons of God comes by exercising the authority that we have. We have the life of God. We have the Holy Spirit. But we can't use it until a specific time when we're placed into the authority to exercise our sonship. And so most people has absolutely misunderstood basically sonship and the placing of those sons. How many is following me now? It's an old teaching, but it's coming into manifestation now. My subject this morning is basically, as we're looking at justification by faith alone, justification is a big word. It means to be right before God. As we looked at last week at, to the question, uh, can a man be right before God? I think Job asked that question in Job uh, chapter 9, verse 2. He said, how can a man be justified before God or declared righteous? How can you stand before God as an ungodly sinner, absolutely righteous? That's the question in the Bible, and that's what we want to look at this morning because we're, I believe that it's justification by faith alone. By faith alone. Brother Brown made some odd statements about justification. And to me personally, I believe for the first part of his ministry, and even into the second part of ministry, into the 60s, Brother Brown preached the gospel of the kingdom of God according to uh, Jesus, or the four gospels, and the book of Acts. After the seals, we find that he moved into the complete revelation of Paul's gospel, which he preached salvation by election and justification as though you never sinned in the first place. Now, to make that transition, most people don't make it. They say the Bible's a Bible. It means what it says, and everybody believes the same. It's supposed to agree. But you'll find in studying the Bible, there's a progression of the plan of God. He had a plan for the Jews, and he also had a plan for you and I as Gentiles. Our way of getting into the kingdom of God or a part of the body of Christ Remember, the kingdom of God is a literal kingdom that's going to come for a thousand years, okay? The baptism of the Holy Ghost is the spiritual kingdom that you receive. The Holy Ghost is the kingdom of God. Jesus is the king of that kingdom. So the, by the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you are spiritually in the kingdom of God with a witness that you're a son to take place in the kingdom when Jesus has set up his king. Now, the kingdom of God was promised to Israel, but Israel turned down their king, and they rejected the gospel of the kingdom, which they refused to accept Jesus as the king. Therefore, they forfeited their position to rule and reign as a nation. So God formed a body of Christ called the church to be his bride, so to speak, to take that position in the kingdom of God. There'll be 144,000. They'll be the servants. 
And then you'll have your 12 tribes and 24 elders outside of the kingdom. But the bride of Christ basically takes the position rejected by Israel into the kingdom of God. Now every believer spiritually or the body of Christ is the kingdom of God here on earth, spiritually speaking, represented in the believers. How many is following now? So the kingdom of God is not easily understood because you find the gospel of the kingdom and you find the gospel of the apostle Paul. The gospel of the kingdom was Jesus said, I am the king, I am here, believe me or you will not be a part of my kingdom. After his death, burial, and resurrection, Paul received the revelation of us being grafted in. So he said, now then, to be a part of what Jesus accomplished, you have to accept it by faith and faith alone. And therefore, you're baptized into the kingdom of God. So we have a gospel of grace and we have a gospel of works. The Jews went to the gospel of works. Peter and James and John. They, John taught it, but John was the apostle of love. So Peter and James basically become the disciples to continue the gospel by works. Levitical sacrifices and whatever more. Paul was rejected from them at, uh, in Acts 15 at the council of Jerusalem. And he went on to himself to the Gentiles and preached the gospel of salvation through grace and faith alone. Now, there's a difference. You want to study, you study church history. It's very interesting. And the book of Acts uh, covers a period of about 30 or 40 years in there. It's not just a little book you read. It covers a period of time. Because last week now, or week before last, we looked at the question in Acts 16, where Paul said, uh, was asked the question, what must we do to be saved? Now, that was absolutely 20 years after the day of Pentecost. It wasn't just two pages over. So there's 20 years that had passed in there before he was presented with this question. So you can imagine how the message has transitioned in 20 years. We heard this, then we moved on this, and we taught this, and we moved what more. And now 20 years down the road, after hearing everybody preach or asking anybody that knows, Paul was asked that question, what must I do to be saved? And we found that his answer was simply, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved and your house. Uh, so this week, I, for a text, I looked at Psalms 103.3, and it is a question also. If you, Lord, or a statement, if you, Lord, keep a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? In other words, if God keeps a record of sins, who can stand before God as though he never sinned? That's the question. And that has been the question for 2,000 years. Many schools have thought on it, but we believe now by a prophet, which is Acts 3, that prophet in Acts 3 that we'll look at, I'll put it in your notes, that God will send a prophet whereby he will bring to pass or restore Paul's gospel. Now, when I say Paul's gospel, I'm not referring to the gospel for gospels. And Peter's gospel and James' gospel of works, he, uh, Paul's gospel. Paul had a revelation pertaining to us Gentiles. Okay? His revelation of what God was going to do to you and I. God will deal with the Jews as a nation. They got three and a half years left after we get out of here. Our time is about up. So we had no part in it until the Jews rejected it. 
We were absolutely grafted in by hearing what Jesus done, what he was. And if we accepted it, we was made a part of the kingdom of God by what we call the new birth. The revelation of Jesus being the Redeemer absolutely places us in the kingdom of God. And by faith, we stand righteous before Almighty God. Now, people just argue with it. This message is full of legalism. If you go to any preacher, if you went to me 20 years ago, I would have a list of 100 things that you had to do to be saved. You were not a Christian unless you dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's, and we had a list that no one could fulfill. So after I couldn't fulfill my own list, I threw the list away and started making a new one. <laughs> I wanted to make sure I preached myself in. How many is following now? So if I can find my, uh, myself find a way in, hopefully I can find a way in for everybody else also. All right. But all we are interested in is getting in and answering the question, and basically this will be to the young people that's going to be baptized, if they can understand it. I was baptized when I was 11, and I didn't understand the doctrines and whatever more. I just knew that I didn't want to go to hell, and I had to go up and get baptized to go to heaven. So I'd done that at 11. Uh, evidently, a little bit of it helped, because here we are preaching the gospel today. So, if you, Lord, kept a record of sins... Lord, who could stand? So we have looked at the question for the last two weeks, basically, on what must I do to be saved? We found that the word saved means delivered. What must I do to be delivered? Now, you can be delivered by many things and still not have your soul delivered from sin. So my interest in this is not how to be delivered from cigarettes and this and that and whatever more. But my question is, how can my soul be delivered to where it is right before God? Now, remember, you're a triune being, body, spirit, and soul. The body is corruptible. You'll never save this body unless basically we have a body changed and it's basically changed and transformed. The spirit goes back to God, but your soul is the issue. What must I do to be, have my soul delivered from the penalty of sin and give me a standing before God as though I never sinned in the first place. Now that's a hard position because we can't phantom never having not done it. Your whole guilt complex, your emotions and everything else tells you basically uh, you're a failure here, you're weak here, you fail there, you this, what more. I don't know why we got but a negative built-in negative mechanism that tries to talk us out of being successful sons and daughters of God. But every one of us, we have found by the gospel, the opening of the seals, that we, in this life, were born out of our mother's womb, a seed of God. Because the life come down through Adam, it is a genetic history of election. That's the greatest mystery that we can find. Basically, how a man can be born again or receive the gospel is easy. But how... That gene come down through one out of a million that Brother Brown preached is also a mystery. So in that election, we find ourselves sitting here this morning, brought here by something. Brought here by a situation, brought here by God, brought here by family, brought here by how you're raised or what you're part of. But by in this great plan, you're sitting here this morning listening 
to words that hopefully does something for your soul. And if you receive and believe and confess with your mouth that you have received it, you have received it. Remember, justification is what you believe. Sanctification is what the, the work of the blood of Christ. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is only a witness to you that you are a son of God. So don't misplace salvation with sonship. I mean, he's following now. So that's the teaching of adoption, sonship, and placing of those sons. So we look at the question of what must we do to be saved or delivered. And Paul's answer in Acts 16 we found two weeks ago was simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a very simple statement. He put no if being baptized. He put no condition on it except you believe on Jesus Christ. Let me hear me. Brother Branham said in the message, faith. You have one thing to do to be righteous. So it boils down real simple. You have one thing to do to be righteous, which means your soul being right before God. And what did he say? Have faith in God. In other words, have faith that the Bible is the absolute truth of God. This is God in word form. It will never fail. It cannot fail. And the prophet said, as long as you confess that you're saved, you are saved. As long as you confess that you have the Holy Spirit, you have the Holy Spirit. As long as you confess that you're healed, you will be healed because the Word of God cannot fail. So we find our destiny is basically bound up in what we call our confession. You are in charge of your destiny. Because a man is justified, made righteous, or he is condemned by the words out of his own mouth. Listen to that. I'm justified by the words out of my own mouth. Therefore, if I place my faith and testimony in something that cannot fail, I cannot fail. No matter what comes, how we look, what it, the circumstances, what anybody else says, your testimony and confession will hold true. Jesus will see that it comes to pass. All right. So he said, now watch. See, it's by faith that you believe it. You believe it. He brought it right back down to believing the Word of God. Now, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he quotes Paul. And thy and thy house shall be saved. So here we find the prophet absolutely quoting and using exactly what the apostle Paul used for deliverance of the soul. And that was believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be delivered. Him is delivered this morning. I've been delivered. I've been delivered. We are delivered. All right. We should know that we are delivered. If you are delivered, how, much, how great is our joy to know that we are delivered? You know, if I'm delivered, let's say from cancer, I would be pretty happy. If I'm delivered from this, I'd be pretty happy. Praise God, I've overcome cigarette. Oh, I've overcome. I'm delivered. But if my soul is delivered from the penalty of sin, praise God, that ought to bring out a worship out of anybody. 
Because if we're not going to worship God, then the rocks will cry out because God is going to receive worship for what He done for us. Amen. So also we find this question asked, and now this is a long reading, but be patient with me this morning. That question is also asked, asked in Acts chapter 2. Like I said, Brother Branham absolutely went back and preached, or he did preach, the kingdom gospel in his first and second pull. He was a legalist. He actually preached salvation by works to a large degree. When he was really pushed down to, well, then what does you have to do to be saved? Then he would say, well, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But how many ever listened to any sermons of Brother Branham? If you can get through the sermon of Brother Branham and think that you're saved and going to heaven, you're a very special person. I listened to the message. I thought, really, I had it. I'd been, I'd been down praying, whatever more. And other. Uh, I'd spoken tongues, and now I have it. I got it. Praise God, I've got it. So I listened to the sermon. You must be born again. I got back down and started all over again. Because during the first half of that sermon, we had big tapes. So that when the first half run out, I was totally lost. He ripped everything that I thought I could trust right out from under you. So I got out and prayed and repented what more and turned it over crying, you know, tears, you know, what more. When we were young Christians, we got a little emotion. And he finally, before that sermon was over, almost got me back in. So we kept contending, 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 contending. And so he preached Acts 2. Watch. Well, let's read it. Here we find basically after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The Jews had rejected him. They took the a thief over him. They nailed him to the cross. As a nation, they said, do away with him. He died on Calvary. They put his body in a tomb. In less than 72 hours, he said he would come out of there. So the resurrection absolutely was the showdown that he was the placed son of God. If he hadn't come out of the grave, his ministry would have been no more than John the Baptist or any other prophet that come by. So here now, after his resurrection, appearing to the ones, different ones, many times in the room, on the road, Romeus, it said that he opened their mind to the scriptures pertaining to him. Jesus didn't preach that revelation while he was alive or mortal. After his resurrection, he opened the disciples' minds to the scriptures pertaining to him, possibly his death, burial, and resurrection, and what he was in the process of doing as the intercessor with the promise now. Watch. Jesus said, I go away, but I'm going to come back again. The question is, did Jesus come back? His physical body didn't return, but the Holy Spirit now that was in him, which was basically Jesus being manifested through a body, that spirit, Jesus, Come back on the day of Pentecost. Amen. If he, had, he preached the gospel of the kingdom in physical form, now he preaches the gospel of the kingdom in the spiritual form through men and prophets and through believers. For 2,000 years, we preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, and as many as believe will be delivered from sin. But here is the initiation. Here is the beginning, the birth of the church. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all 
with one accord in one place. Now, that's the greatest miracle to me in the Bible. 120 Jews in one mind and one accord. Without the sovereign act of Almighty God, it would never take place. Because if you've been around any Jewish people, nobody except their cousin and grandma and a dog maybe can agree with them. They can't hardly get along with anybody. Because they're always right and always the smartest and they know everything. And basically that's, you can't basically disagree with them. Now watch. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. Notice now, it was not wind. wind. It was a sound of a rushing mighty wind. I've only heard that sound one time in my life. And that was in the Phoenix meeting. When the woman come and cast out the devil, then the whole building, a sound filled that whole auditorium and stirred all the people there, all the Spanish people, fell on their face because of the awesome of the presence of Almighty God. So there was a sound filled the house. That sound will still fill a house if it is called for or if God ordains. Watch. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set up on each one of them. A little lick of fire set up on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Now, there was 12 different tribes there, and I, I left that out of your text because of all the names that are hard to pronounce. But all these tribes were Jews now coming to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. They were there to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. And here, God was fulfilling the Feast of Pentecost in its literal sense, and they didn't know nothing about it. All right. They were all amazed and saying one to another, Behold, are not all these speak Galileans? And how hear we ever man in our own tongue wherein we were born? They were not speaking in unknown languages like the church speaks. They were speaking in their own language. It was the ear or the hearing that was anointed for them to hear in their language. If I speak Galilean... And here's a brother that only speaks Spanish. And I'm speaking English. I'm not the one that's anointed. If he hears me speak in Spanish, then it's his ear that's anointed to hear what I'm saying. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. Now we got this area. Everybody got to speak in unknown tongues, jabber, whatever more. That's all right. I've spoken tongues myself. But that's not the day of Pentecost. So the hearing... Their ears were anointing. What is the key all the way through the Bible? Let he that hath an ear hear the Spirit when it speaks. You have to be anointed to be able to hear the gospel and receive it. You have a unique ear. What is that unique ear? That is your soul down here that come from God that we call a seed of God. Your soul is unique. It will only hear of its own kind. My soul will not hear this doctrine that's off the word. 
I will not hear it. And the prophet said, as long as I hold fast my confession, no matter what they say, how much they deny it, God will bring it to pass. There is going to be a resurrection in my and your lifetime. And you and I, by our confession, will be a part of the placing of sons with the authority of, by the word of God to be able to see those that appear unto us to be a part of the resurrection and the translation of the body of Christ. But it will process to a body. Unique ministries claim, well, I'm adopted, I got a ministry. Ministries is one thing. Placings of sons is a different doctrine altogether. We can't mix them up or you'll get the Bible and your mind confused. Amen. We are still waiting for that placing of sons. Placing them into the authority of their sonship. You and I as sons have authority. But we don't seem to have the anointing to use it. We're promised that anointing called the third pull that Brother Bram called. We're promised that anointing to come upon the body of Christ, every believer, every son of God, before the resurrection, and they will exercise their authority of sonship. And Brother Bram said, if you need water, rain, we'll send you rain. If you need this, he spoke of many miraculous things. But he said, my ministry, and Brother Bram had a supernatural ministry, that basically the manifestation of the sons will make his ministry look like a minor. Because every member that's alive will have that authority in their own measure, their own area, in whatever God leads them to do. Watch. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken unto my words. In other words, listen to me. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. On my servants and on my handmaids I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they will prophesy. That is both in the book of Acts and both at this end time that we're in now. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. That is in this age. Watch. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the great and notable day of the Lord come, which we have arrived. Now he says, watch. And it shall come to pass in that day, our day now. That whosoever, now that's the whosoever, that covers anybody. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord. How do you know how you're going to call on the name of the Lord if you don't accept Jesus as being Lord? Lord Jesus, save me. In other words, the Lordship of Jesus is the point of recognition or acceptance. Every tongue shall confess, and every knee shall bow, and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Amen. We might be kind of strange to us, but that's exactly what it will be through the kingdom and through eternity. Amen. Watch what we said for. Watch. 
Him being delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. For David speaking concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, my tongue was glad, moreover my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see, con see corruption. Thou hast uh, made known to me the ways of life, thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brother, let me speak freely unto you of the patriarch David, that he was both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. David spoke the words, but it wasn't about David himself. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had swore with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. The soul of Jesus, we looked at the two goats. One goat died for the atonement of our sins. The other goat, the sins were placed upon that goat. It went to hell. The soul of Jesus absolutely become a sin offering. It was called a guilt offering, a trespass offering. It was our sins laid upon or imputed to Jesus Christ, and he becomes sin. Okay, now then, if he took sin, our transgression, our sins, our failures, our weakness upon himself, and he takes those down to hell. Now, he doesn't turn around and bring them back up. He takes them down to hell, and he drops them right on the head of Satan, takes the keys of death, hell, and the grave away from Satan. Hallelujah. And he comes forth, unlocks the keys of, uh, to paradise, lets Abraham and all the patriarch saints out, and he led captivity captive. In other words, he was the first fruit out of the resurrection in his glorified body. And the others followed him and began to walk around in the city and appear unto many. You say, oh, that's a wonderful story. That is an absolute scriptural fact. Now, how many can believe the supernatural? If God done that in the first resurrection, he'll do the same thing in this resurrection or the second half of the first resurrection. Glory to God. And we're in that hour. You and I will witness the first resurrection and the rapture. Our decision and our confession will determine what part of it that we take. We'll either go through the tribulation as foolish virgins, or we'll take our rapture or change the body and go up with him. Now watch. Uh, David ascended to heavens, what now? Until, uh, for David is not ascended to the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord. Oh, I love that scripture. The Lord said unto my Lord. Sound like two. It sounds like someone is talking to someone else. But we know now that that's not happened because they're one like your finger. This magical formula that you can reduce two down to one or you can multiply one into three is, is a miracle to me. How many gods are they? Tell me, tell me. One God. Is he spirit? Spirit. How many only begotten, unique, born sons are they? What's his name? Jesus. Who gave him that name? His father. What was the father's name? Jesus. You got it. All right, so Jesus said to Jesus, oh, that's one. No, 
Jesus Sr., I'll put it that way, said to Jesus Jr., sit on my right hand until I go down and put all your enemies under your feet. And I'm going to have a chaste virgin of the Word of God. And I will present to you a complete body, a church, for you to rule and reign with for a thousand years. That's our promise, and we are a part of it by the grace of God. Hallelujah. That makes a Baptist want to shout like a Pentecostal. Amen. Glory to God. Watch now. Set thou on my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom you have crucified. God has made him both Lord and Messiah. He's made him both Lord of the house, the senior brother, the head, and the Messiah. Glory. When was he made Lord and Christ? How many remembers uh, Matthew 17? I'm, I'm, I'm just getting off my subject. I'm doing the thing you're not supposed to do. Let's go down blind trails, come around and come back out. Mount Transfiguration. We find Jesus on the mountain, and we see that there was a vision. They had a vision. In this vision, Jesus, Moses, and Elijah appeared. Jesus was transfigured in the vision before Peter and the ones that were watching. Peter was a typical uh, denominational believers, because he said, let's build three tabernacles. We'll start three organizations. I'll give you one, I'll take one, and you can have one. We'll start one with Jesus, we'll start one with Elijah, and we'll start one with Moses. You keep the law, I'm going to keep Elijah, and you can start a new one with Jesus. But they heard a voice say, what? This is my beloved son. I don't know why I'm creeping back over into adoption this morning. But that's, that's what's coming, so that's, it'll come up in the subject. This is my beloved son, hear ye him. In other words, if, you say, if I say, uh, this is my son, now you hear him, I'm saying you don't have to hear me any longer. I'm telling you that you must hear him because I'm placing him into the position of authority. I'm going to give him all authority in heaven and in earth. Didn't Jesus say all authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth? I'm going to make him. He's co-equal. He has 50% of the kingdom. So he's co-equal with me. Now then he is in authority over the kingdom. You listen to him. There is your transfiguration. There was the adoption or the placing of the Son of God that we call adoption. Adoption is not like picking up, I uh, argued with the Baptist preacher until I almost like to scream. Oh, he said adoption means you go out here, you're not really a son of God. You can't be a son of God. Nobody can be a son of God. We're basically ungodly reprobates and God takes us up and he washes us up and he, he I said, baloney. The word adoption in the Bible don't mean adoption like American adoption of a child or somebody else. It means the placing of a son. Well, they said, well, nobody could be a son of God. I said, I am. Now, you may not be, but I am. I'm not a dog dressed up like an eagle. 
I'm not a goat basically dressed up like a sheep. I got, if I got a goaty nature, that means I'm a goat. I'm a son of God. The Holy Spirit has witnessed to me that I am a son of God. And now I'm waiting for the doctrine to tutor and train me where I understand God's will, what he's going to do and how to do it. Knowing that he promised me in this hour, he would place me into the authority of my sonship. You don't become a son and daughter by the new birth. The baptism of the Holy Ghost only comes to witness that you are a son of God. Come on, talk to me now. Glory. Let me just receive the witness. You say, what is a witness? I have heard the Spirit speak to me in this hour. I have recognized the messenger, which was Almighty God. I heard his voice called a prophet. I recognized his word that said, come out of my people. I was rebaptized if I needed to be. And I have received the word of God for this hour, which is the evidence and the assurance that I am a son of God. Amen. Yes, sir. So let's look at it. So after Mount Transfigured, now watch in verse 37. And when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Brother Brandon, I'll put the quote in your lesson in the church age book, I believe. What must we do to be saved? Now these men have probably heard John's gospel. Many of them were John's disciples. Many of these had heard about Jesus. They knew all about Jesus. Evidently they had rejected him. Now having rejected the king, they're wanting to know how do I get in the kingdom. They're not saying how... What must I do to have salvation or to be saved? They're saying, what must I do to receive the kingdom of God or this baptism of the Holy Ghost? Peter's prescription is not how to get into the kingdom per se as Jesus preached a literal kingdom. This is the prescription how to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost which is a down payment that you will be in the kingdom of God in the first resurrection. This age of people being born again or baptized into the body is coming closely to an end. Wherever that individual is, hopefully this morning the two young people get baptized. Hopefully they're the last two. If they are, praise God, we'll be seeing the moving of the Spirit for too long and we'll get out of here. Here we see the question that was presented to the Apostle Paul, as we said in 16 and 19. And we notice now that this man, Peter, he was the one that was granted the keys to the kingdom. And as Brother Branham said, he was Dr. Peter. And like a doctor, he was given the prescription little poison, a little this, a little that. He was given the prescription to initiate you into a spiritual kingdom. He was giving you the keys or the way in how to be born again or to receive the witness of the Holy Ghost or the gift of the Holy Ghost that is promised 
after you accept Jesus as Lord. All right, let's follow it now. Then Peter said unto them, here's the same gospel that Jesus preached. Now put it in your notes. We won't get to it this morning, but follow it through there. Repent. We have been taught and dangled over hell. When I was a young boy, they used to dangle us over hell till people run to the altar and repented. In other words, they repented of their sins. They was uh, repented of everything. Bad thoughts, talking back to mama, cussing, drinking, whatever they done. We repented of everything. Then we said, have I covered them all? Next week, we'd go back, next night, we'd go back to the revival, and they'd preach sin so hot, we could feel the flame, so we'd run to the altar again and repent some more. Then after about a week of running to the altar, repenting, 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 then they said, run to the altar, let's see if you can get the Holy Ghost. So people used to go to the altar and pray and pray and pray and pray all night, all night, pray, pray, scream, holler, pray, 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 pray. And according to the prophet, they never did receive it. Why? Let's look at it. Repent simply means change your mind. And the subject that you have to change your mind to is pertaining to Jesus of Nazareth. According to your understanding and faith in who Jesus Christ is determines your outcome. Was he the Son of God? Is the Bible true that is spoken of him? Did he do miracles according to the work of God? Did they crucify him on Calvary? Did God raise him from the dead? If those three statements are true, then the next statement is, we were declared righteous by his resurrection. Is that true? Can anything change that? No. What is it based on then? You believing that. I'm trying to make it as simple that no one can miss how to be, be delivered in the kingdom. Well, watch now. So repent means change your mind pertaining to Jesus Christ. When you change your mind and confess Jesus as Lord out of your mouth, according to Romans 9, then you have to go, must go to the water to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. Now remember, these Jews had absolutely rejected Jesus and had killed him. Here's the formula for these Christ killers to be justified before God and receive the promise of the Holy Ghost, which is the kingdom of God or the witness of the kingdom that they'll be a part of a thousand years down the road. Be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that prescription given to the guys that just a few days before that had said, crucify him, kill him? That's just like a group of Baptists that rejected Brother Branham, told me it's false, it's the devil and everything else. And now then I get up and preach, unless you believe that William Branham was a prophet and you baptize in his name, you can't be saved. How many of you think would accept it? Not very many. Maybe one or two would try. This is the picture you're looking at. Total rejection. And Peter preaches this 15-minute sermon. He done more than 15 minutes than I've done in 20 years. 
Because he had thousands of souls come in on the same day, and we hadn't reached thousands of souls yet. So here's a supernatural climax. Here's your transition. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Get rid of them. Be justified. How can a man stand right before God? Repent and accept the work of Jesus Christ because he bore your sins, took them to hell, and left them there. And he can't bring them back in his remembrance. Watch. Now here's the kicker. If you will do that, Ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, Brother Greg, let's talk about that. No, let's don't talk about it. Let's believe it. If I can't get a clear-cut prescription out of God's Word, I'll never find peace with God. I'll never have any assurance that I'm saved unless there is a clear-cut prescription and a formula that I can believe and have trust in and the prophet of God made this point be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost the Holy Ghost is a gift it is a witness it is a promise praise be to God you say well what about the foolish virgins that were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? They will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost at the white throne judgment. Come on, talk to me now. Because the word cannot fail. Are you following me? I don't really uh, do care, but just say, if I have a promise, and I don't receive my promise until a thousand years down the road, do I have any complaint coming? Not one iota. But I still have a promise. As far as I'm concerned, when God said it, I have it. Come on, talk to me now. If I have it and say I have it, you cannot talk me out of it and I could care less what you think. Talk to me. Say praise God somebody. See, we got to give God's Word His worship, His freedom. It is true. Watch now. For the promise is unto you. He's talking to Jews now. No Gentiles here. Jews. The promise is unto you, Jews. And to your children, Jews. That's 144,000 and somebody elected down through the ages maybe. And to all that are far off. Gentiles, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Praise be to God. And with many other words, he did testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Uh, and they didn't get the promise. Now that's not what he says. And the same day. It didn't take 40 years to get it. You know why it didn't take 40 years to get it? They got it when they received the word. You saw, oh, they received the Holy Ghost when they believed. No. 
They received the Holy Ghost since you believed the work of Jesus Christ. Come on now. So we find the Apostle Paul. Keep up. We'll just view it. We find the Apostle Paul then basically received the revelation of the Gentiles being a part of the kingdom of God through salvation by grace alone. Now here's where you make your transition. Paul taught that the Gentiles, we know how Peter went down to the house of Cornelius and what more the Jews said, no, it's not the Gentile. And they argued through the book of Acts until Paul separated and said, now the gospel comes by grace alone. So he come to the Gentiles. So our gospel is Paul's gospel. That's how we're saved. And we are fellow heirs with, of God and with the Jews by the birth, new birth, and by the faith in the work of Jesus Christ who God had sent. Now let me touch just, just a few minutes and we'll, we'll, we'll close this more for water baptism. Salvation is a work of God. Salvation is a work of God, period. And we must see salvation is solely a work of God. Now, narrow your mind, salvation is a work of God. Okay? So that should take my mind off of my condition, what I've got to do, what more, and say, well, what is the work of God? Most preachers direct your attention to yourself. You, 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 what more? And you try to work out, I got to do what more, work your, but let's put it over here. Salvation is a work of God solely, solely. Nothing you can do about it. A work of God. Then the question comes, and has been a question for many years, how do I know that I'm saved that question can only be answered by seeing salvation as solely a work of God. It can't be answered any other way. There's no way that I can explain to you how you're saved, how you're born again. For only you know whether you believe and have faith. Now, I can see the fruits, maybe. I can see... Uh, basically how you live or don't live or whatever more. But there's no man that can tell a seed of God by their works or by their outward expression. Okay? I'm talking about salvation of the soul now. Watch. The assurance of salvation is possible only if salvation is a work of God alone. Now, you see what I'm doing now. I've preached Jesus plus nothing for about 40 sermons. I'm trying to bring my mind and my experience through the Word of God to filter out the last age of Arminianism, Pentecostalism, which is legalism and works for salvation, which is nothing more than a Catholic doctrine. And it's not easy to filter your legalistic mind to come to a peace and assurance that God's work is His alone and the only thing that I must do is to accept it and believe it. 
Oh, I understand that, but then how will I know? If salvation depended upon man's ability, can I get 10 more minutes? Let me get this little for the baptism. Then assurance of salvation would require answering two questions. Number one, what works are necessary to meet God's approval for righteousness? What works must I do to meet God's approval? If by keeping certain laws or rituals, then what are what part of the law is it or what rituals must I keep? Number two, how many works are necessary? And if there are works that are necessary, what are they? How many thinks that's a simple question? If there's works necessary for me to make it, then what are they? If it is by works that I've got to do something necessary to meet God's approval, then what are they? There's no way that I'm going to struggle for 40 years, go to church, have all this religion, listen, 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 sermon after sermon, whatever more, if I can never arrive at an assurance that I am a believer, that I am a Christian, that I do have the authority that the Word of God promises me, and I have the promise that I'm going where it says I'm going. So we know that when Jesus was asked, what must we do to do the works of God? What did he tell us? In John 6, 28, then said they unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. All right, the work of God is to believe that God sent Jesus. I'm the one that God sent. The work of God is for you to believe that. Are you following me? There's no way that you're going to get anywhere outside of hell except believe that Jesus Christ is the door, He's the way, He's the truth, He's the life, and no man can come unto the Father except by Jesus Christ. Period. No church, nothing else will get you in there. So we have no one who can answer these questions, what is the works and what more. Now we have many men that tells you what they are. Like Brother Bram said, now they asked Paul the question, what must I do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. If you had asked me, are these preachers here, they'd have given you a list of things that you had to do uh, to get in. But Paul's answer was salvation by faith. We have no one who can answer these questions above since the dark ages until this age. Because the Bible tells us that this answer, this assurance cannot come. I'll close. I'm trying to close right now. Until the fullness of Christ comes. Until the last person has been baptized into the body of Christ. Then we find out there's a the revelation can come to the sons of God of who they are, what they are, and their authority. And that revelation will give them the umption and the anointed to use it. So the last thing they will have is an exercise of active faith in who and what you are coming out of your mouth. 
From the feet of the horse said, and it gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, some pastors and some teachers. Watch now. For the completion of the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Watch, it's the body that has to come to the completion. Paul's gospel in that age was enough for that age to take a rapture. They were the virgin-born sons of God. You say, how come they didn't take a rapture? Because you and I wasn't in yet. No one can go. Luther's message was enough to take a rapture for that group. They were pure and righteous before God. How come they didn't go? Because you and I wasn't in yet. Every group was made pure and righteous when they believed that portion of the word. But they can't do anything and they can't go anywhere until every member of the body of Christ comes into their sonship. You need to understand that your son or your daughter of God. That is your confession. Until that transpires, God cannot work on our behalf because we have no confession of who we are and what we are. Till we all come into the unity of the faith. All. That's the whole body of Christ and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect and complete man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Therefore, assurance of salvation is impossible if salvation depends in any part on a person's works or good deeds. However, if salvation depends on the work of God, one can have assurance of salvation, period. Karen, y'all want to come this morning? We're running out of time. The Scriptures makes it clear it is impossible for man to gain the approval of God and attain his righteousness by doing good works. There is nothing that you can do to obtain righteousness except believe. Amen. You said, I thought it was harder than that. Well, if it's that easy, why don't we accept it with all of our heart then? Why are we stumbling around? Why are we questioning? Because Isaiah 64, 6 says, but we, all, but we are all as an unclean thing, and our righteousness are, are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Paul confirms that in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So there is only one righteous man in the Bible. Actually two. But there's only one righteous man in the Bible that's able to do anything about the problem. That's Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. Only His work satisfied God. Only His death and burial resurrection satisfied God's justice. To whereby he was uh, uh, appeased and looked through an operation through the blood that he could see us as absolutely righteous before God. Amen. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ made us righteous before God, period. You say, well, I'm ungodly. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, God sees you as righteous. If that's the case and you know that you're doing things you shouldn't do, that you're ungodly, how are you going to make this transition? How are you going to become what you know that you are? Right here out of your mouth. You become a believer by confessing. 
You have forgiveness of sin by saying, I'm forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. Only the death on the cross and Jesus Christ's resurrection from the dead can give you assurance of your salvation, period. Amen? Let's stand this morning. I know that's a good old fundamental Sunday school lesson maybe, but it's coming down to a close that we need to understand this basic salvation. And I'm leading for and bringing you to the subject where Brother Branham, at the end of his ministry, declared to us in a Thanksgiving message, my message to you this morning is that you stand absolutely justified before God. You are sinless. You are perfect. You are the virtuous, sinless bride of Jesus Christ. How can he say that if anything is dependent upon you and I? He cannot. Therefore, he looked at the complete, finished work of Jesus Christ and said, I preach what Paul preached. And Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be delivered from the sin problem. We stand absolutely sinless before Almighty God. To make that confirmed to you depends upon you out of your mouth to make it good in your own life. I cannot confess it for you. You have to make your own confession. Amen. Amen. For every man must work out their own salvation. And that means hearing, believing, and confession, and walking in faith, understanding the promise of God. Listen, young people, the gospel is true. Jesus Christ, in the form of the Holy Ghost, is here. He has vindicated his presence. The gospel of Paul is coming to an end. The Gentile age is coming to the end. The fullness of Christ only has a few, wherever they may be, one, two, whatever more. He's waiting for that last one to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gift of the Holy Ghost initiates them in the kingdom, and it's over, period. Then we have the placing of sons in authority, and you'll see the third pull as you have never seen it before, Pentecost or anymore. It's just a dewdrop minor shower like this one's going to be. You're talking about supernatural outpouring, anointing of the Holy Ghost. We can't even fathom how great it's going to be. Amen. What are we going to say? Now, if you're in this building this morning and you've heard the gospel preached, if you've never opened your heart to the Holy Spirit and received Jesus Christ and made Him the Lord of your life, we're giving you the opportunity in the closing hours of humanity to set your destination down the road for eternity. You must make the decision. Will I believe or will I disbelieve? Will I accept Jesus Christ as Lord? Make Him the Lord of my life and confess Him out of my mouth? Be baptized in His name? Identified as a believer? Are you going to walk along with the darkness and the powers of this world? That decision and this question will not be offered to you very much longer. The church as we know it, even in Canada, what more? If they instilled the laws, we will be completely shut down. As soon as we change the administration, the president, the first thing they're going to do is shut down the churches. And we'll see basically going to church is not sitting at home watching it on live stream. It will be shut down completely. Therefore, you must know who you are and what you are and the promise of the Holy Ghost. 
It won't be someone trying to preach you under conviction or give you an offering. The question is now, will you come to the gospel of Jesus Christ in this closing hour? Will you be one of the 11th hour workers and accept Jesus Christ as Lord, be baptized in his name? We have the water ready. And if you never made that commitment in life, which is the greatest decision you'll ever make, I ask you now to consider this question. Will you receive Jesus Christ as Lord? Make him Lord of your life. Be baptized in his name and look for the promise of the great resurrection and the rapture. If you're in the building this morning and want to make that decision, you sit right in your seat. You make it to the best of your ability. If you've never been baptized in the water, we have the water ready this morning for you to do so. So, Father, we ask you now to move up on every heart. We have done all we can do as a man, and I to speak your words the best that we know how. To present the gospel in the simplest form. Therefore, by the work of the Holy Spirit, you're the only one that can convict the heart, receive the repentance and the change of the heart, and basically turn a person in the direction that you want them to go. I ask for your Holy Spirit to intercede upon every person's life, that they may weigh the balance of right and wrong, and let Lord cast their vote for Jesus Christ this morning. So we present every soul to you, and ask that you would keep every person in safety and in health, keep the diseases away from the body of Christ. We ask that you would bring us to healing and deliverance in the name of Jesus. We expect this great outpouring of your spirit, the great placing of your sons and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, bringing us to the authority as sons. Therefore, we commit this service to your hands, and we pray that the gift of the Holy Ghost will be given to these young candidates this morning as they basically come to the water in their youth to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and be baptized in your name. So we ask this blessing according to your word, you will fulfill it. So we ask you to bless us as we go into another service. In Jesus' name, amen. Ah, he paid a debt. We'll be dismissed. We'll go to the back for water.